Welcome to Resilient Conversations. I'm Lucretia, your host and founder of Resilient Visions. Are you ready for intentional, thought-provoking conversations? You know the kind that you grow from? The kind of conversations where you leave empowered, encouraged, and elevated. If you're thinking yes, guess what? You're in the right spot. The black man is resilient. See, I know this for a fact. He radiates like gold, all pure and natural, dense yet adaptable. He's malleable and he's noble. His viability simply can't be quantified. See, the black man exudes power, confidence, ambition, and he has a hell of a stride. The black man has the strength of a mountain because, see, he's been to the valley side. The black man is impeccable. He supersedes all limits placed on thee. The black man is loyal and will always prevail. The black man is intentional and equipped with integrity. The black man empowers everyone around him, including me. The black man navigates in a country built by his forefathers, yet he still battles to rise. The black man is triumphant over people and systems, anticipating his demise. The black man is resilient, and that's a fact. The black man should know that I have his back. Hey, y'all. It's Men Talk Monday. We have someone who has joined us who's ready to share his adversities, drop some gems, and inspire us to keep pushing along the way. So without further ado, I'll allow him to introduce himself. So my name is Andre Whiting. Um, Just an all-around young man that, that carries multiple titles. Some will call me a prophet. Some will call me a man of God. Some will call me a homeboy. But at the end of this interview, I would ask you to call me just Drake. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, so, with in alignment with our, my segment of a resilient man, um, I reached out to you because I know somewhat of who you are, and um, I know that you have had to overcome some things in order to soar in um, in alignment with you are soaring in currently. So, uh, would you be able to give us your, well, let me back up and let me say thank you for even accepting um, the opportunity to even talk about yourself and join us on the podcast. So, I really want to express my gratitude for that, first and foremost. Um, Thank you for having me. um, So... Now, rolling into the uh, the segment title is Resilient Man, and um, I'm intentionally t- talking or speaking with men who I have observed, I'm sorry, observed in one way or, or another being resilient. Um, and uh, would you be able to give me your definition of resilient or resilience? So, my definition of resilience is not too far off from the actual definition. And my definition, Andre's definition, is no matter what happens, just continue to press, continue to go forward the goal that you have in mind. 
Mm-hmm. That's my my definition of resilience. Um, no matter what, like just continue to move forward. Right, right. And when were you able to tap into that mindset? Or if you remember, you know, some it, it may be a, such a natural aspect of your process of thinking that you may not even remember. But do you remember at um, like your earliest point or earliest time period when you were remembered to when you were able to tap into that mindset of no matter what, I have to keep pressing forward? I remember the earliest the earliest moment, I guess, and, I, and at the time. I wouldn't have called it being resilient because I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. I was doing it. And so the earliest memory I have, and a lot of a lot of this is going to go back to my childhood because that's why I could relate a lot of my resilience from. And mm-hmm. uh, the earliest thing that I can remember was around, the, around maybe the age of six or seven. And it was Christmas. And you would think Christmas time is a time for laughter, joy, and happiness and family. Well, Christmas for me, it started off laughter, joy, and happiness, but it ended It ended with being told, I wish you was never here, and it ended with, with everything that I got for Christmas being dumped in the trash, and so that showed me, it was like, okay, do I allow what's happening to me right now ruin the day? Or do I forget what's happening right now and put a smile on my face and still go and pretend that I'm still having this best day ever? Mm-hmm. So at the age of six or seven, I had to pretend that I still was having the best day ever, even though I was just told that I was, you know, that I wish she was never born and, and everything, every earthly possession that was given to me at the moment was just thrown in the trash. Wow. That's... Um that's definitely a, a moment of resilience where uh, you you were robbed of the childlike essence of being able to celebrate and you have to take in um, I'm not sure who, who was the person who told you this but it had to be someone who was uh, close to you and I'm sure as a child that that was very hurtful and left you probably kind of confused but you were still able to gather yourself together and say you know what I still have to press forward so um, exactly even, even to this day it's like that has left a mental impression on me um so I get I get angry during during the holiday season mm-hmm. and I always wonder why but now that I'm talking to you it, it, it goes back to that very first memory Yeah, that's um, most of the time uh, for me personally, my my moment of resilience was it's a childhood memory as well. And it always um, it of course, at the time, we don't know it's resilience um, more often than none. We hadn't even learned the word resilient uh, never, or, you know, so we definitely didn't know that we were operating in it or knowing how to do it as, as an act per se. So um, I, I definitely can relate to you on on that note.
everything that the question asked. And so I came up to the realization that the most resilient person out of my whole life is my mother. And the reason why I said it is my mother, because my mom, um, I mean, some people know, but not too No matter how hard life got for her or on her, she never really got bent out of shape to where she didn't allow a direct relationship with God. And material things might have faded, but went on. She she always stayed consistent in her relationship with, with him. Okay, that's that's great. And that, is that um from your mother's relationship with God, um was that an image? Her Stuck image out. I didn't I didn't hear you. Her resilience, even the resilience in her faith. Mm-hmm. Even upon her deathbed. Um, struck a powerful chord with me because it's like if you can go through the trenches I mean if you go through literally life's trenches and still have a relationship with the higher calling that tells me that no matter what happened to you your spirit was never broken right and if that if your spirit was never broken then that right there told me that then there's something something I got to do on the inside. And she's the most resilient person to me for that reason. Because I've seen a lot of people go through a lot of things in life and that's the first thing they give up on. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, my mom was so with you viewing the relationship your mom had with God through everything, her ups and her downs. And did that encourage you to seek a relationship with God even more? Say that one more time. I said, did that encourage you to seek a relationship with God even more? No, it didn't. Okay. So you... Just, just being real, it did, that did not cause me to, to seek God more. What actually caused me to seek God more... And this is, 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 is actually a part of the question about the first time that, that I can remember being resilient. Um, it was in my eighth grade year. Mm-hmm. Eighth grade. And um, I got kicked out of Lamarck, Lamarck ISD. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people did, didn't know why I got kicked out of school. To be honest with you, I don't even remember why. I mean, I don't remember their reason for kicking me out of school. But as I answered, as I pre-wrote these questions and I started thinking about it, this was during the time to where life really started to happen happen with my mom. And um, what I mean by life, my mom my mom was addicted to crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And so, right around the eighth grade is when 
I became knowledgeable of her addiction. And I didn't find out of her addiction from her, but I found out about her addiction from one of my friends. And how I found out about her addiction from one of my friends because I came home one day and I didn't have my PlayStation there. And I asked, what was my game? And she said, well, I needed it to go and, um, you know, I needed to pawn it to turn the lights on. I said, okay, that's fine. Then I went outside. My homeboy told me, well, I got your game in my house. So I didn't know how how to process that coming out of seventh grade, going into the eighth grade. And hearing something like this on the street, so I, I began to rebel because I didn't have an outlet, an active outlet. Mm-hmm. And when I got expelled from, you know, from LMISD, they um they sent me to Heritage in, in Galveston. And it was there that I found that I that I actually heard the quiet voice of God. Because it, it while I was going there, um, I didn't have light. We didn't have lights for six months. Mm -hmm. So I had to continue going to school with a smile on my face. I had to learn how to, how to wash my clothes in in cold water in the sink. Um, I had to get acclimated to taking a cold shower. You know, I had to, I had to walk literally from, from, uh, from the front door down to, uh, to main street to the stop and go, because that's where they would pick me up for school in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm. I did this five days out the week, so that's that's really where I, I began to get it. my resilience and my faith in God. Because I said, God, if if you get me through this, then I know you can get me through anything. Wow, that's extremely powerful. Um, that's why whenever I told you, I said, um, I'm not. You know, I don't know the particulars of your story. I don't, I know from being in close proximity and, you know, experiencing in the same school district and stuff like that, same neighborhoods. So I, I would have, I never knew any of that, but who would know that? That's your personal story. And only those who are very near and dear to you would know something like that. And that's something that if you can't, if you know that you can get beyond that, at such a young age, because you have a lot of things going on at that time, you you're dealing with finding out a truth about your mom that you didn't know. You're dealing with a, a living arrangement that was out of your control, and you're dealing with the um, consequences of your behavior because of not knowing how to deal with things and being. You know, being a typical in a in a sense of kind of like a re- I, I want to I'm gonna say rebellious, but that's just a technical thing to put it. But I don't want, I don't like to call it rebellious because I always think that people should seek why find out why things are going on with children, especially if um, the behavior is different from what it has been. There's, and that's. It's always a turn of events. It's always a reason behind that turn of events. And um, so that's why I say I, I'll say rebellion for the sake of saying, but I don't really genuinely feel like that's the appropriate term to call it. Um, and you are able to. So after you completed your time at the. Um, how did you move forward from there? So after I completed my time at the school, I actually I actually enjoyed to where I requested to stay. Mm. But the but the problem was 
it was I, I had to pay tuition to actually go to the school. And because of the circumstances that I was in, there was no way for me to actively pay for me to go to the school. So what did I do? I started playing football for the school, which allowed me to go to the school on a scholarship. scholarship. Okay. And while doing so, um, home life got even worse. The water that I had that was cold, it was no more. I didn't have any water. Um, so now it becomes from having a, a place to to go home and, and bathe after football practice. I no longer had that. So that's even more resilient. So now I'm going to school and I'm not able to, to bathe after football practice. And I'm not able to wash my clothes, so I have on literally the same clothes for the whole week. And now I'm having issues at this at this safe haven because I'm not sleeping. So when I come to school, I fall asleep at, in, in class. Yeah. And so um, they they made me uh, learn a one of the the lessons was to to learn Psalms 23. And I had a problem learning it because I just wasn't. I had so much going home. I had so much going on at home to where I, I just couldn't get it. Um, until one day, walking home from Main Street down Lake Road, I walked past a murder scene. Randomly, somebody got shot and they left the body laying in the middle of the street, and it just so happened to be on my walkway home. And so I said, "You know what? I'm dealing with all of this. And I'm seeing all of this." But yet and still, they're telling me that I'm, I'm, I'm shining on the football field, but I can't pay for, for, for tuition. My mom is, is, so what do I do? The only thing I could do was moved in with my aunt who had five kids. Um, really no time for me is just allowing me a place to be able to come in and take a bath and brush my teeth. So you're hearing all these negative negative words about who you are as a person when you when you know that that's really not who you are. So I just threw myself into church. Mm-hmm. I hear everybody talking about, about this man named Jesus, and even at school, they're talking about this man named Jesus and, and how he can take care of all your problems. None of my family can take care of any of my problems. They're having the same problems that I'm in. And matter of fact, they're talking about my problems, minimizing their problems. So what do I do? I go to church. I throw myself in the church, says, you know what? This is the only avenue that I have that I don't have somebody talking about me. I don't have somebody looking at me as a handicap. I don't have somebody looking at me as 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 needing a hand, mm-hmm. as a charity. So I jumped in the church and it was there that I was able to develop into who I am today. It was there that I was able to find out exactly my worth. Instead of going toward the streets, I went to something completely different, which was the church. And of course, inside of the church, you have all those different elements of the streets. But it was because of my upbringing in the streets that I was able to differentiate what's real and what's fake inside of the church. Mm-hmm. And today... I feel that my biggest influencer throughout my whole life was my struggle. Because it was my struggle that allowed me to hear directly from God when I couldn't hear from nobody else. When everybody else was telling me what to do, but their life wasn't matching up with what they're telling me to do, 
the only person that I could I could look to for an example at the end of the day was God and myself in the mirror. And that's what got my resilience to the to the to the portion that it is today, which allowed me to become the man that I am today. And if you look at me today, you would never look, you would never see any of the scars or any of the bruises that I have from my past. Right. You would think I would have came from a, a family, a well-to-do family. But that's not the case. It was it's simply my my resilience allowed me to become well-to-do. So if you were able to say something to speak to your younger self, what would you say? Keep pushing and go against the odds. Go against the odds. Don't conform to what everybody is doing. Do something different. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be different. Being different is what would allow you to become a millionaire. That's what I would tell my younger self. That's awesome. That the, It's okay to be different. I feel like our community does not embrace that. It hinders them so much. Um, and I'm not, I don't think that uh, our community allows that space for people to be different and not be ostracized about it. So um, that's awesome that you would tell your younger self to be be you. And um, I think that you did an awesome job of that in spite of because um, you were able to see that, hey, this school is a better fit for me. This is a better place for me. And you were able to make that decision on your own and you were able to formulate an idea of, okay, how can I get this accomplished? You play football. Now, all of the things that were going on around you may have not been the best, but you were still able to look at your life, evaluate yourself, yourself and your circumstances in the current situation at that time, and you were still able to make the best decision for you you, without, without having anything to um, encourage you to, you know, to do so. So you were actually creating your own path. Exactly. With no instructions. With no instructions. And not only did, not only did I I create a path with no instructions, and and this is literally biblical because he said he would order your steps. So that started off in the eighth grade. Ninth grade, I went to a public school. 10th grade, I went to a public school. 11th and 12th grade, I went to Abundant Life Christian High School. Mm-hmm. I graduated from Abundant Life. So that right there, and mind you, when I graduated from Abundant Life, I still had to pay to go to school. But yet and still, he still saw fit for me to be able to get into a school on a scholarship and be able to graduate from a Christian academy versus a public academy because I felt more comfortable being able to talk about him openly and publicly. That's amazing. And I feel that... That if, if, if our community 100% allows us, and when I say us, meaning our generation to be us and not confirm, conform into what everybody else is doing, there will be so many other job opportunities versus the plants or the hospitals. Mm-hmm. And that's just my point of view on it. But I feel that because we've put this, this systematic 
we, this systematic system in, in, in our in our minds that that's the only way to create wealth. That's the Preach. only way to create the, the only way to create some type of of materialistic pleasure is you have to put your 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 health at risk <laughs> or you have to do what everybody else is doing. And that's not the case. When he created you to be who you are, like be you. And if you be you, then there's a space, there's there's enough room in this world for you to be successful just as who just who you are. And slowly but surely, the success is coming. It, it may not happen overnight. You may not be you may not be an overnight success. You may have to you may have to go through a process in order for you to become successful. And I'm a living testimony to that. It, it's a process, but I'm okay with the process. Why? Because along the process, you learn so many different jewels versus becoming an overnight success. Yeah, I I, I have to agree with you on that. Um, really, any overnight success how long will it last instant um we are in a time and in a period where everyone is seeking instant gratification however instant gratification does not allow you to does not ensure assure that you would sustain and um in order to have something and to be able to sustain it you going through the process of of things kind of strengthens you and builds you for that sustainability. So um, I'm in complete agreement with you on that. Um, the process of something is beautiful because it, it is you laying down your foundation. And once the foundation is secure and stable, then you build outerly and you'll be able to embrace anything else that comes. So um, I'm definitely for the process of all things because... Um, Instant gratification is like building a house on sand to me. I just got a, a, a fresh revelation. Look at your hand. Mm-hmm. And if you your hand and you look at your middle finger, and there's like, if you if you follow your middle finger down, almost down to your palm, like it's a it's almost a callus right there under where your knuckle would be on the inside of your palm. Right. So resilience starts off like that callus. The more and more you go through something, the tougher your skin becomes. And the tougher your skin becomes, the harder it is for something to penetrate through that skin. And so that's resilience. And that the resilience is nothing but the process. The process to you becoming a hard exterior so nothing can penetrate your soft interior, which will basically ultimately damage you. Mm, that's the word. <laughs> that's, yeah, I like that. I like that, yeah. So in um in in ref- while we're reflecting and while along with what you're saying, how would you say um or what? No, no, I'll say I'll say this. What would you say has been your biggest challenge to date beyond um, your childhood experiences? As a as a man, as a young man, what has been um, some of your biggest challenges? Not you don't you don't even have to speak on those challenges. What are the biggest lessons you've learned from those challenges? To trust the process. Okay. To trust the process hundred percent because sometimes 
we ask for things that we want that could be detrimental to us. Mm-hmm. And if we get it too quick, then we'll 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 really cause some damage versus going through the process and seeing that what we were asking for really is not what we want. And so we're able to turn around before it gets too complicated. Okay. So in regards to that, um, if you were, let's say, talking to your 18-year-old self, where did you think you would be versus where you are currently? Can you reflect on that? So talking to my 18-year-old self, I would say, bro, Um, being a hustler is not cool. Talking to my 18-year-old self, I would say, sir, get some life insurance. (laughs) Because at at 18, literally, you you could create a fortune or you could cost a fortune. And so at the age of 18, I would, I would go back and tell myself, sir, get a little more focused as to what it is that you want to create out of life. And that's what I would up at 18. To me, that, to me, I take that is create a plan. Focus on it. Once you have a plan and you start focusing on it, you're going to do everything in your ability to make sure you work the plan so that the plan works for you. So, um, with that, I feel like in our community, we aren't taught to plan. We we are oftentimes on survival mode. That planning is something that's not even a thought. Yes. At the age of 18, um, at the, 18, at the age of 18, somebody should have told me to open up a shoe company. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because I was working at Foot Locker. I was almost managing a Foot Locker store. So if, if I'm managing a Foot Locker store at the age of 18, then that tells you I have business savvy and mm-hmm. I can run a, a successful business. Right. So why pushing me for entrepreneurship at the age of 18 when it comes to shoes, which is now the hottest commodity going? Tap into you. So <laughs> you would... Tap into your resources that you already have at your fingertips. Create a plan for yourself and work it's, it. Because at the age of 18, you've, mm-hmm. already, you've already been given the blueprint of how to do it successfully. But mm-hmm. instead, we get inside of that rat race of doing what? Going and apply for another job. Mm-hmm. That systematic approach of staying in uh, comforts and doing what everyone else says is this, this is what you're supposed to do. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's amazing because I I tell myself that now I was like you I I didn't know that um I would have the mind frame that I have now and it's crazy because this these are things that I've always thought and always um always felt and would how I would always approach things and I honestly thought everybody doesn't think like this oh I thought this was normal um. Oh. Now I see, I'm like, oh, wow, you, you have a completely different as you, as I made your, I have my own fingerprint on things and that's your life. Your gift from God. No one can make it shine like you. As you're saying, like your 18 year old self being able to be that um, prestigious in business and a shoe at working at a shoe company and being able to know you knew how to 
apparently sell the shoes and how to run the store. And you were able to, to do that. But it's a shame that we aren't encouraged to, hey, create your own. Continue. That's your gift. And what you should be doing is continuing along avenues that allow you to flourish in that gift and allows your, that would allow your light to shine. And it will create everything that you need from it if we just tap into those type of things. So um, I tell myself that same thing as well. And I am very intentional about spreading that to other people because I know that they're not. They don't hear that, especially people that are younger and, um, you know, and like my, my children, for instance. I'm like, hey, use whatever you have naturally because that's the gift that God gave you. And it would allow, it will allow everything that you need to grow from there. It's your 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 natural resource. Exactly. Not only is it not only is it your natural resource, but it was given to you as a gift to mm-hmm. make room for you. Right. And self self affirmation and positive affirmation is something that does not flow freely through our community. And I feel that if self affirmation and positive affirmation flow freely through our community, then the sky will be the limit for what our children can do today. Yes, it definitely will because that is the key to confidence. And with confidence, you can do anything. Even if you're not doing it correctly, you can do anything with confidence. Exactly. So I, I definitely agree with that. And that's something that I practice. Um, not only do I agree with it, but I practice it with everyone I come in contact with, with my children, with my family, with anyone like, hey, I, I, I'm always giving them um, words of affirmation and saying, hey, it's OK if it's if you're different than what they say the norm is. Norm is according to how you are, your norm, not according to anything external. Because if it's external, then it's not normal. Exactly. At all. <laughs> it's not your normal. That's don't don't allow people to to belittle you like that while telling you that, hey, you have to be normal. No, you have to be you. That's who you have to be. And you have to be the best version of yourself and always continuously learning how to be better at being you. So don't allow people to make you feel indifferent about being you in your personal things. So um, this is a great conversation. I I really uh, am glad that I uh, reached out to you and asked you to to um, be a part of the podcast. be And I guess I it's nobody but God. He aligns it. I haven't really, everyone I've had conversations with, I've had like a peak of interest and the conversations always work out to be very good. And um, our mindsets and approach approaches about things completely being on one accord in that as and you know, in these kind of types of aspects. So I'm grateful for that. And I knew that, Starting this, I had no idea who I was going to talk to. I had no idea um, when I was going to talk to them or how I was going to get it done. I had no idea even how to do it. But God put it on my heart and he said that you have to do this because you already do this within conversations. So reach more people by doing this. So I just said, okay, God, you sure? (laughs) And I was like... Um, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. I did this, that, and the other. Then I said, you know what? I got to get out of my own way. I can tell people to, I can encourage someone to do that and to step out on faith if I don't do it myself. 
um, and get I have to get out of my safe space and just launch and do it. So um, this podcast, uh, the segment and the entire podcast was created intentionally because I wanted people to hear or it doesn't even matter if only one person hears it as long as it's the right person that hears it. Um, to hear that, hey, you can be you, that it doesn't matter what the circum- how your circumstances may have started, especially the ones out of your control. That doesn't mean that that's where you have to end up being. Don't get comfortable in something that makes you uncomfortable, especially when you feel like it's more to you and it's more to life. Go and seek that. Excuse me. You're absolutely right. Um, I can't turn it off. So it just happens. So forgive me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to apologize about it. It's happened. So in regards to you, and uh, so what, in regards to you, God is saying that if you don't allow your subconscious fear To, to hinder your your assignment. Because there's times that he tells you to do things and you you second guess it and you really, you question it, but he tells you to do it in the moment. And while questioning what he told you to do, the, the moment kind of passes. But then you find yourself having that same conversation with yourself again. Mm-hmm. So the reason why it comes right back is because he's wanting you to pass the lesson. And the moment you pass that lesson, another door opens up for this podcast. Your podcast, if you do the exact same thing that he's been telling you to do in your dreams and, and also stuff that you have written down in your journal, your podcast will be international. I'm not saying anything that you don't already know. I'm just confirming what it is you've already heard. Mm-hmm. I'm just the, the excitement to continue to push because what you're doing is is according to your gift and your gift literally is going to make room for you to where you're not going to have to work a full-time job receive that for the umpteenth time and i thank you for for uh, expressing it to me um because i do often i i've, I've received it several times and I'm like okay Krisha you have to accept it and it's not about you the reason why you feel like you are not um I'm not gonna say I feel like I'm not enough but I feel like I'm inexperienced because this is for me it was like you never had any interest in hosting or talk show or having conversations but I'm often in conversation with people about things of substance. Now I'm recording it, which is to me out of my uh, out of my field, as I would say. Um, but I know that that's this is where God operates it, where in these spaces that you are not equipped, to, so, so to say, or you feel inexperienced. Then that's when God shows up and He shows out to to prove that hey, I am who I say I am. It, it was never about you anyway. You're just a vessel. So, and being the obedient vessel that I would, um, I aim to be continuously to God, it allows me to keep going, keep going. Okay. Can continue to reach out to people. 
Continue to um to see where this can take you. Continue to interact because my my goal, my personal goal is I want people that look like me to know that hey, we don't have these conversations often, but this is real life. And you don't have to um feel like you're going through something alone or something that someone has never experienced before because we don't open up and talk about things in this nature. So I was, I was saying, it's a, um, the story about, about Rahab. Rahab's a prostitute in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So when, uh, when the spies was coming, Rahab had to do something that was not in her occupation. And what she had to do was she had to put out the scarlet robe so that way she could tell the people of the city that the, that the men that they were looking for was dying. Not at her house, they had already left. So she turned from being, now mind you, her regular job was being a prostitute. She was an expert at being a prostitute. She got paid at that. That's what she got paid doing. She was an expert at it. So she had to go from being a prostitute to now being um, almost like, like a Harriet Tubman, like a hide and hide slaves almost. Right. So she had to do something that was completely different from her normal occupation. And because she had to do something completely different from her normal occupation, and she she was so great at doing what she didn't have no idea in doing, to where her life was spared and so was her family's life. So I said that to say this, because this is something that you have no idea or no inclination of, or, or, or you know, no man's heart knowledge of what you're doing, is going to be blessed even the more because you're going to learn directly from his hand. And by learning directly from his hand, it's going to be amazing because he's going to show you things that, that books couldn't teach you. Right. Yeah, the phone shut oh. off. I believe I don't. I don't mean to interrupt you, but the phone we lost service. But I I said that um, I know that that is intentional by God because it has to be a space to where I am reminded that the praise is not for me; it's for God because this is a, a capacity in which I had none in. So it's. I have to operate in a space that is not comfortable for me, a space that I have no uh, knowledge in so that God can prove that he is who he says he is. All I have to do is be obedient. Exactly. That's it. And everything else is going to fall into place. Mm-hmm. This, this was um, a really great conversation. Um, I really, again, I really appreciate you for um, calling. And even though we, we've been experiencing a few technical difficulties, we are still pressing forward <laughs> and um, being resilient. <laughs> and, and, and we're not going to uh, let this, allow this to stop us or get in our way. Um, in... In your life, who has been the biggest influencer? The biggest influencer? Uh-huh. Meaning, like, to push me to continue to be resilient? Right. Aside from, My I know you said that your mom was, uh, is your first person that, that um, showed you resilience. Um, you said your granny? Yes, my granny. Okay. No matter what, no matter what happens in life, she's always there to to uh, to speak words of affirmation. 
and she's always there to, to speak words of encouragement. And so because of her, that that allowed my resilience to, to go a little stronger. Yeah, that's awesome. The many hats that you wear, what is your most prominent role? My most prominent role out of the many hats that I wear, it would have to be the hat of uh, father. And the reason why I would say it would have to be the hat of father is because uh, I, I had always said that, that when I do, when, when God does allow me to have a child, I'm going to make sure I, I treat that child with all of the love and admiration, adoration that I got and then some. I'm going to make sure that child has what I didn't have and have the opportunity afforded to them that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. And so um, God allowed me to be blessed you know, with, the, with, the, with the daughter. And although, although you know, I came into her life when she, when she was sick, she allowed me to, to grow, grow up with her and become a man with her. And when when that happens, man, it just does something to you. So being a father to to John Tavia is it's the world because it's like what I went through, I was able to tell her why I went through it and how I went through it and she's able to see what I went through and learn from my mistakes and make her own decisions from the mistakes that I was able to make. Preventative. And now that I'm able to to be here for her and live this life. It it, it, it puts a new meaning on on being a man. It puts a new meaning on being a man of God, if if you will, because I'm not perfect by no means. But having her in the back seat or having her behind me says, okay, bro, you can't you can't do nothing crazy. You gotta you gotta continue to walk the walk. You gotta continue to walk that line. You gotta continue to be everything that she can because you want you want her to see an example inside of you that that she can hold up up high. And so man by the grace of God with with the help of her mama we've been able to do do things for her that we haven't been able to do for ourselves as, as children. But that role, being a father, has been the best role that I think I could could ask for so far. That's that's awesome. Um parenthood being a parent definitely does something to you. Um, that's the same role that I hold dearest to myself and has been the best role for me personally as well because it's um, for all the reasons that you said, all the reasons that you stated, but also it's it's like a, a sense of fulfillment, the expectation, and the the ability to know that you're able to guide someone and pour, pour back into them with so much more. And we do oftentimes make sure we flood our children with things that we didn't have. And, and, um, in the aspect of what you're saying is, you know, being that supportive parent that you need to be making sure that they have things that you didn't have. And, and sometimes it might be stuff that you still don't have present day, but you want to make sure that you want to equip your children with everything, all the tools that they need. And, and, um, including like the, the opportunity to have space to have good conversations with and to be 
able to be themselves and free thinking and and um as far as me and my children we have a very open line of communication um so from hearing you speak I know that that's probably something that you all have as well because you want your children to know that hey I'm going to guide you I'm going to discipline you but I'm also going to be that person that always has your back so if I'm that person that always has your back, I need to be a person that's on board with, you know, your life. Of course, not every single detail, but I want to be comfortable. I want you to be comfortable enough with coming to me and talking to me about anything. And um, I think when we do that as parents, because our generation of parents, we kind of parents that we had were like, hey, I'm I'm the mama, I'm the daddy, whatever. What I say goes. It ain't really much room for you to express yourself. But to know how important it is to ha- to have that space for communication, it allows you to be an uh, even better parent. So uh, for that, I... And she taught me that it's okay to ask why. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when we were coming up, when your mama or your daddy said something... That's just what it was. It wasn't all, well, why I got to do that? Mm-hmm. And so by being a young parent, and when she says, well, why? Well, you know, my, my initial thought when we first got into it was because I said so, and that's it. But now it's my understanding of, well, she, she just wants to know Understand, why. Understand, right. She's trying to have a better why understanding. Is- mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so then take that nice. moment and break it down to some, you know, to a level of their understanding is is so impactful because it will change how they approach things. It will change how they view stuff. It changes how you know their their communication. So um, I get it because I have I have that same I have to have that same moment myself. Okay, well. They're asking why because they really genuinely want to know why. <laughs> it's not a why because why are you smart enough? It's a why because I'm I'm trying to understand. Right, and and so they not only not only that, but it also helps them when when, it, when they go to different jobs to understand the whys and to understand to be able to to speak up for yourself when when you feel that whatever is going on is not right. And at an early age, I taught my daughter that it's okay for you to voice your discomfort. If you don't like something, say it. Whether it's at school or whether it's at home, say it. But the lesson now becomes, it's not what you say, but it goes about how you say say it. Uh it. Yes. It it opens the most up for a whole lot when it comes to life. Okay, okay. I um I'm gonna say this another time. I really, really appreciate the conversation that we're having. And um I would like to um encourage you to continue your walk and continue to go about doing things as you have. Um I know that you are very familiar with the fact that you know that things are going to continue to go up from here. And um, that you, I want to let you know that I am personally proud of you and your ability to be resilient and your ability to continue to soar in spite of where you started from. And I am proud that you are able to, that you are confident in knowing that you look nothing like what your scars are. 
don't mind it daily, but, you know, that's what makes us who we are at the scar. Yeah. And to be able to look at and, and say, okay, that's that's ha- that's what happened, but I, I've now been healed from what happened. That's great. Well, can you um, share with us any words of encouragement, gems, or anything that you would want someone to take away from this conversation or just some, if for whatever reason they, they may just hear the end of the conversation and have to come up with a um, a conclusion of everything, what would you want someone to walk away from this conversation with? No matter what happens in life, bend but never break. Lean but never fall. Take a break never quit because if you lean but never fall you can always bounce back up but if you fall then you're going to need some help getting up and if you bend over you can always bend back over to get back in shape so if you didn't hear nothing else that I said today always be comfortable being you and it's okay being exactly who you are because the scar that you have is what made you the person that you are today. Thank you so much for that. Um, again, I, again, I'm going to say it. I really appreciate this conversation. I appreciate you making time to um, have it. And I appreciate your words of encouragement to um, anyone that's listening. And um, I hope that everyone can pick up something from this and continue to soar. Or even if they felt like they were not soaring, if if this is something that encourages you and pushes you in the right direction that, hey, it's not the end of the world, it's not the end of your existence, that you can still persevere beyond whatever your current state is. That is the truth. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. On whatever platform that you're listening on, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please don't forget my five stars. And I appreciate the comments as well. Stay tuned for next time. Please don't forget to follow Resilient Visions on Instagram and Facebook.